Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Mahachko, joined as always by our founder and fearless leader, John Dam Johnston, and also joined as always by Todd. I don't have a snappy nickname for him, Wolverton. Hello, men. You can call him Has Been. <laughs> and we'd have to call yeah. him never was. Yep. Start this motherfucker out right. A legend in his own mind. Uh, well, it, it, happy new year, I guess. Uh, we should say to, uh, of course, to both of you gentlemen and everyone listening and watching around the world. I had a B-52 song there I was going to go into, but I've, now I forgot the words. How's that start? Anyway, what's going on? What's happening? I haven't been here for a while. I've been away. Yeah. How, how was uh, Texas or as they say in other languages, Tejas? Uh, I need to buy 27 guns. Okay. How many do you have currently? Well, I, that's kind of personal. Okay. Hey, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just didn't know if like, you, you, you know, you had to get to a certain number or if, if the number is 27, that's okay. If in, in my constant discussion about gun ownership, I have discovered that I own completely the wrong guns, the wrong calibers, the wrong ammunition, the wrong everything. I am wrong. That's why I bought these serial killer looking glasses and people would just leave me alone because they'll look at me and go, God, that guy. I've noticed it works, actually. <laughs> I walk into Quick Trip, fucking people just get out of my way, and they're like, "Jesus Christ, this guy's, this guy's like next, next up to start a cult and take on the FBI," which is something you learned about when you were in Texas, and, and thus the reason for twenty-seven guns. No, that's not the reason. That's a separate reason, Todd. In many oh. conversations with many people, many people of importance. Yeah, he didn't just spend two weeks locked inside his brother's camper or anything like that. Jeez. <laughs> It's not a camper. It's an RV. What's the difference? There's a whole lifestyle around this. Okay. This uh, has started out completely discombobulated. People that's tuned in are probably going, what the <laughs> fuck is this? A Husker, a podcaster? Well, and, and that's the thing. Is this going to be a, 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 a recreational vehicle uh, tutorial? Or are we going to, you know, welcome Todd officially, find out how his holidays were, uh, and then move on to some more Nebraska-related topics. John, you are our founder and, dare I say, fearless leader. I'm going to let you decide. Are we going to have a recreational vehicle tutorial, or no. are we going to properly welcome Todd and then get on with the rest of the show? We're not going to do an RV tutorial. Okay, Todd. Hello, sir. Howdy. How's it going? That Gosh. was my, my salute to Texas. Howdy. You know they, what howdy. they say about, about Texas? Who? But nobody in fucking Texas says howdy. They and say they, it, they wouldn't go howdy. That's like fucking. Who is the red freckled guy? Howdy doody. Howdy. <laughs> you guys might. You guys should be old enough to know this movie. It's an old black and white Andy Griffith movie called No Time for Sergeants. Did you ever see that movie? No. Uh, Andy Griffith is, you know, he, he's he's a mountain boy who who gets drafted, uh, and he goes into um, I I don't know the army, I guess, uh, and and he meets a, a a fellow draftee who's all his brothers were in the infantry, so he's determined to be in the infantry, and and uh, well, the old Sarge has it out. 
for uh for our, our good buddy andy uh griffith and but there's a, a scene it, it it cracks my family up still to this day he's in a plane that is, is experiencing an in-flight emergency a military plane and he's on the radio and he's trying to communicate with somebody on the ground and he says hello and you know the person on the ground says hello and, and this goes back and forth and all of a sudden andy griffith's character goes howdy it's really backwoods country and it's a, it's a good fun movie for the whole family <laughs> well hello. okay thank god we went right into husker sports now you <laughs> motherfuckers <laughs> I will confess that when I am in Texas and I spend some time in Texas, I do start the, the, the extra vowel starts to slip in there. You know, you start saying you, you, things like reckon all. I, I use reckon all the time. Yeah. Uh, are you saying you, you make a two syllable word, a three syllable word? Yeah. Or you okay. just, uh, you know, all. Oh, oh, like good old boys. No, like oil comes out oh, of the ground. Oil. Oh, 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 Texas tea. You need to change the oil in your car. <clears throat> what do we got going on with Nebraska sports anyway? <laughs> I, I briefly, briefly, and then we'll get there. Okay. Uh, I was talking with a coworker this afternoon who did not know who the Oak Ridge boys were and had never heard the song Elvira. Oh God, he is a if she is a blessed person that they don't have that disruption <laughs> shit in their lives. She is not yet twenty three and had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I'd probably introduce somebody to the replacements and who's could do before I'd ever bring up the Oak Ridge Boys. Although I will say that my time in Texas, I listened more country music than I have in probably the last three years put together. Yeah, I'll do that in Texas, but enough about Texas. Texas sucks. Uh, by golly, let's talk about the greatest state in the union, Nebraska. Woo. Well, there's a little football news out there. <laughs> Thank you, Todd, for getting us back on track. Tell us, uh, t- may, may I ask you this? Because we don't, of course, we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, it, it's what we typically do. This might change by Friday morning when the episode drops. But as of Wednesday night, Todd, enlighten our dear listeners as to who is in uh, the greatest city in all the land, Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, from what I understand today is that Casey Thompson, the one of the quarterbacks from Texas uh, who is in the portal, is uh, making a visit up here. Um, it's not an official visit. They said it's an unofficial visit on his own dime. Um, and, um, then I guess they're scheduled in, I think this has been in the media quite a bit, the Chubba Purdy from, uh, Florida state brother of Brock Purdy at Iowa state is planning an official visit on the weekend of the 14th. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot of Cornhusker fans, um, have been kind of obsessed with, you know, what are we going to do with a quarterback? What are we going to do for a quarterback? Because, uh, you didn't hear anything other than speculation uh, flying around out there and maybe a few tweets where somebody said, well, I'm blessed to have been offered an opportunity by Nebraska. But uh, Casey Thompson's a pretty good quarterback. And uh, what's kind of thrown a wrench, I think, because, um, I don't know, some of those recruiting services were projecting him in their crystal ball or whatever, projecting Nebraska. Um, the uh, standout freshman 
quarterback at Oklahoma has the Williams kid is now Caleb Williams has thrown his hat into the portal. And obviously he's a big name and people are predicting, well, let's see where the dominoes fall. And uh, Casey Thompson does have OU connections. His father was a quarterback there. Uh, I don't know if that was back when we were in college or around that same time, Charles Thompson. And um, so anyway, it's, it is interesting that we finally have some quarterbacks on campus. So that's the big news uh, about what's going on right now with football. Casey Thompson is Charles Thompson's son. I believe that's true. That son of a bitch. I believe that's true. I know his dad. I know his dad was a quarterback at OU. And the only one I could think of was Charles Thompson. But, and then, you know, here's the thing though, you know, everybody is saying that we've got to pick up a quarterback and some people are speculating that maybe they'll get two. I don't understand how you would get two quarterbacks out of the portal because, you know, generally speaking, those guys are looking for starting opportunities. Uh, That makes no sense to me, but you know, Maybe, maybe there's Casey Thompson been around and Chubba Purdy's just starting, right? Uh, I think they're both pretty young, actually. I don't know. I don't know how long Casey Thompson's been around, but Chubba Purdy is just, I think Chubba Purdy's got four years. Um, you know, the potential to play four years. So Charles Thompson is a quarterback in that damn 1987 number one versus two second game of the century. Uh, game in Lincoln, which they beat, beat the shit out of us. There you go. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah. I never even connected that. I've been in Texas. There you go. That's when you're in Texas, nothing else matters. It doesn't. <laughs> but then, you know, I, I guess what the, the positives, as far as I'm concerned, you know, as far as Cornusker football is concerned. You know, I know a lot of people are, well, when are they going to fill the coaching staff? You know, there's speculation, you know, apparently Sipple has said that they'll start filling the rest of the spots this week, but I'm really excited to see some new offensive linemen coming in and uh, they, they do have commitments from two transfers there. So yeah, Greg. Uh, Casey Thompson uh, redshirted in 2018 oh. and was a backup in 2019 and 2020 and got the starting job or, you know, got the chance to compete for the starting job in 2021. So he's not quite as uh, uh, young as Chubba. Uh, Chubba. I was going to say Stubba or Bubba, but. Well, that does make some sense. If you could get two of them, you know, one that's towards the end of his career and the other one's starting out. I, I don't know what kind of a message that sends about Logan Smothers and Heinrich Carberg and, course our uh the new one you just recruited recruited the torres kid okay you know what this isn't the nfl everybody compares this portal thing to free agency no it isn't fucking free agency you know what the difference is the difference is in the nfl you're under a contract they only get to move one time in the portal right they do but you're under a contract in the NFL. You don't just get to go, well, I think I'll go into the portal and then go out of the portal and go back into the portal. And the, Remember last year? What was it, last year? No, the season before that, Luke McCaffrey first went to someplace and then he ended up – he went to Louisville, right? And then he oh, ended it up was last Rice. year. It was last yeah. year. He was at Louisville yeah. uh, for a week and then he went to Rice, yeah. It, yeah. These guys can just go into the portal and, you know, jump around like that quantum leap show I loved years ago. But, uh, I mean, 
when you you know when you look at this and you go, well, why would they take two? And what's it say about this? It says I can't be sure that Logan Smothers isn't going to like the next week jump into the portal or Heinrich Harburg. You know what I mean? I have a more general question. Okay. Uh, because it was stated that, correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, it, and we got to go all the way back to the beginning of your, your, um, you know, dissecting of, of the transfer portal and recruits and guys, uh, who are in and guys who are, you know, considering it. Uh, I think you said Casey was doing an unofficial visit. Yes. So again, that's on his own dime. Do you, is that weighted a little bit more when a player has to pay out of pocket to come see you? Like, do you, do you value that a little bit more? Like they, they ha- are a little bit perhaps more interested than somebody who's being flown in on, on, you know, the, the program's dime. Does that, Am I overthinking things or does that uh, I, I feel like, you know, whatever the cost of airfare in a hotel is, if I've got to pay out of pocket, uh, you know, that might be I, I might be more interested in that than if somebody's trying to wind me and dine me. Well, you know, I, I guess when I was thinking about it, actually, Greg, I kind of thought about it from the other perspective. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I thought, OK, he's making this one on his own dime. So he's got two more, you know, on on the school or the institutions, mm-hmm. you know, official ones. Cause I think the guys in the portals, maybe I'm wrong with this, but I, uh, it appears to me they get two official visits if they're, you know, <laughs> in the portal, maybe I'm wrong with that, but um, I was hoping I think that's what people have been taking. <clears throat> I, I, I just look at it and I, I guess there's no, you know, you can look at it from, from every angle and, and someone's interpretation is not necessarily wrong, but I just look at it as, if I am personally investing in, you know, going to visit the the school, town, coach, team, whatever, I, I it's it's like anything else, you know. It's I've got I've got a skin in the game, you know. Uh, whereas somebody else is, you know, flying me wherever. Uh, well, you know, I, I don't maybe I'm don't have to take it as seriously because I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm playing with house money. I, I don't. I can't argue with that. I think you, I think that's a valid point. John, you like to argue? Can you argue with that? No, I. I was just <laughs> going to say. I hope we get this Chubba Purdy kid because uh, he can get knocked down, get up again. You ain't ever going to keep him down. Takes a whiskey drink. Takes a vodka drink. He takes a lager drink. Yeah, yes, yes, I drink. did that. That's terrible. Yeah, oh, God, oh, yes, God I'd love to have that kid here. I mean, Chubba Purdy, shit. You could come up with all sorts of stuff about that. How's his hair? The the only downside to Chubba Purdy is that his first name rhymes with Bubba. And the last time we took interest in a, a fella named Bubba, he used us to get a bigger signing bonus from the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> so that's my only apprehension. However, my twins, the, the 10-month-olds, can say Bubba. I could probably, you know, throw a few different sounds in there, get them to say Chubba, and by by fall next year, maybe they'd be able to sit on the couch with Dad and be like, Chubba, Chubba. Um, you know, it's ridiculous. I apologize. He, he hasn't played much. No, he got better. Neither, neither have I, John. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> I'm not sure where to go with that. we we'll just ignore it and move on like we do. The good news is I've got all my eligibility. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Okay, so Chubb and Purdy hasn't played much. He's been injured. 
Yeah. So he doesn't get knocked down again and get back up again. <laughs> so fucking maybe will at Nebraska though. It definitely probably get knocked down. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we're bringing in all these new offensive linemen. That's true. That's and true. Coaches, and, and coaches and coaches. And hopefully Teddy Prochaska, the only good offensive lineman that we have uh, from last year is back and healthy. You know, one of the things I did when I was in Texas is that I tried to reevaluate my position on the Nebraska football team. No, how much Kool-Aid did you drink? I didn't drink any Kool-Aid, but uh, you know, I because here's the thing: we all know that we all know because the people that listen to this smart this podcast and you guys are smart people. We all know what confirmation bias is. Just in case you need a refresher, confirmation bias is when you tend to favor or listen to or just uh, absorb information that already confirms what you want to believe, right? So my belief, and I've stated this many times, is that Scott Frost is not a very good head coach. And all we did in keeping him for another year was put a Band-Aid on the program so we can fire him next year. And then I thought, you know, maybe, maybe he went out and hired, you know, Mark Whipple and uh, uh, who, who the fucking offensive line coach, Rayola, you know. Donovan Rayola. Uh, yeah, Mickey Joseph. Maybe he is fixing this. Uh, maybe he maybe he has looked at himself and said, uh, I need to do a better job. And actually, I need to get rid of this part of my job and give it to these people, turn it over to them so they can do their jobs. And I can like go, I don't know, be a figurehead, hopefully. But, <clears throat> you know, I really tried to actually just honestly say maybe I'm wrong because that's the way you that is the way you combat confirmation bias. You simply ask that question. What if I'm wrong? And I have to do this a lot in my career because my job is to provide IT solutions to people. And I usually come up with a solution. And then I go, what if I'm wrong? I need a, a B solution if I'm wrong about the first one. You know, if we're fixing a problem, I got to come up with B, C, D, you know, that kind of stuff. So where am I going with this? Uh, well, I haven't been around for a while. So I suppose everybody else talked about Mark Whipple and let me, John, let me refute your confirmation bias. Okay. Um, how many things do you and I ever agree on? 10%, 20%, 50%? 33 33.2. 33.2. Yeah. Okay. So we agree on things less than half the time. Maybe, yes. That's probably, I don't know. I've got, now we'll have to start tracking it. Well, that's probably true. Well, you're not wrong. Scott Frost is a bad <laughs> head football coach, and he should have been replaced. So you're not wrong. Okay. Todd. Todd. Where's that youthful optimism? There is no hope, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I looked at this and I thought, you know, you know what? Mickey Joseph is an accomplished coach. Mark Whipple has been around a long time. And you know, as well as I do, Todd, that age brings wisdom because not because you're necessarily smarter than everybody, but because you've encountered so many different circumstances that you kind of are used to dealing with things differently than you are when you're 23 and you encountered your first crazy girlfriend or something. I, you know, and I don't disagree. I, I'll tell you what, I think all three of those hires are upgrades. I do. Yeah. I think all three of them are. And, you know, 
time will tell. I mean, we're going to, we're going to find out, you know, in late August over in Ireland, you know, whether, whether these choices were the right choices and um, you know, <laughs> people want to say, you know, we've heard it all before. You can't judge a season by the first game, whatever, whatever, you know what <laughs> Nebraska fans are going to judge every step that's taken with this football program once those players set foot on the field every step because the microscope is going to be you know cued in that tight are they are they just going to tune out no they're not going to tune out you know here's here's what what i think is going to happen uh todd i I think you're you're right to a point you say you know the the fans are going to judge Every you know, hold, you're also right, John. But let me let me address Todd's uh, <laughs> accuracies first, and then we'll get to yours. Uh, the fans aren't going to wait for August to judge every step. I mean, yeah. it's going to be every you know uh, coaching decision or every coaching staff adjustment. You know, that we've been talking about the other one. I think that's still out there is is a uh, Bill Bush. I believe as as p- potential special teams, you know, actual coordinator, uh, if, unless that's already happened, um, and it, it's going to be the players that, you know, step onto campus, how everything goes in spring ball, the spring game, uh, you know, the the true off season, which is you know, of course, the conclusion of the spring game and spring practice till fall workouts um, and summer camp, so. And they're they're going to because the microscope is real. Um, and John, you are right. I think to a point, uh, the apathy will set in on the more casual fans. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I think we've already started to see it a little bit. However, the the uses, you know, the people who are taking time out of their lives to actually listen to the five heart podcast, you know, read coronation, the people who like are, are like, dare I say, give a damn are going to double down, you know, uh, they're, they're going to, uh, I'm not going to say that there's going to be that, you know, effervescent hope. Um, but they're the, 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 there's going to be as much attention to it paid it, instead of by, you know, I'm the numbers are, you know, add however many zeros behind it, but instead of, you know, a hundred people casually, you know, you know, paying, you're going to have 75 people that are just really dialed in. I think of paying very close attention. It, it, that's, that's my opinion. Yes, John. One of the, 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 the start of that confirmation bias thing that I didn't mention before was, uh, all the, all of last season, the prediction or the reaction videos I did and everything, uh, I constantly bitched about Bryce Benhart and who was a Turner Corcoran was our other tackle, our other starting tackle. And they were both fucking terrible. <clears throat> and I thought about it and I thought, you know, maybe those guys will get a, I don't think they're bad football players. I think they showed that they were terrible this last season, but on the other hand, I think they're both possibly talented individuals who could use a new line coach coming in and hopefully do something about, because their confidence after this last season has to be 
just shot from some gray old, old crusty man calling them names and swearing at them all the time. But, uh, you know, not me being not the only one that did that, but maybe the Royola coming in to coach those guys and that replacement will uh, help the offensive linemen that we already have be much better offensive linemen, but just because I don't know, though, they'll get a fresh start. Well, I, you know, I think we know right. that I was going to say, we know that you, Todd, love Bryce Benhart because um, his ass is on your shoulder right now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Bryce Benhart fan. Um, but I, you know, what John's saying is, is absolutely correct. I mean, you know, there were no guarantees that they were going to bring in any players from the portal, you know, when he let go of Greg Austin. Um, you know, I think that he found a coach, or at least I'm hoping he found a coach that's going to be able to develop players. Um, you know, the guys worked under, you know, a number of very good offensive line coaches. Uh, I think I think the fact that he's bringing in this Hunter Anthony from Oklahoma State and Kevin Williams from Northern Colorado. Now, Kevin Williams was an Omaha North grad. He's a kid that left the state and he's coming back. I don't know how good he's going to be, but you know, this, this Anthony kid's a stud from Oklahoma state and he's going to fill one of the tackle positions. So if Teddy Prochaska can come back, that takes care of the other tackle position. So that means that everybody else that's coming back in essence is going to be fighting for those three interior positions on the offensive line. Maybe Bryce Benhart wasn't a tackle. Maybe he's a guard. They're going to have to replace Cam Jurgens. And from what I understand, um, you know, they worked with Ethan Piper a little bit at center. They're also, you know, mentioning um, Noradin Nauli as a yeah. center. Um, I've heard even, even uh, another guy who played tackle, Turner Cochran or Corcoran as, as a center. So, you know, we're still going to see you know, at least three of the guys that we've been following for the guys with Prochaska, you know, they're still going to be <clears throat> integral to the success of that offensive line. They're going to be out there. So maybe with a new lens, maybe with a different approach to coaching, they're going to raise, you know, the skill level of those guys, the want to for those guys. And, um, you know, there's only one, really only one way to go up or only one way to go. And that's up. So. You get the feeling from, you know, after uh, sitting in the RV for weeks, uh, you know, I, I came to the conclusion, I think a lot of the problems with this Nebraska coaching staff last season uh, wasn't that they were terrible coaches. I think that a lot of – they had communication issues. Either they didn't get along, they didn't talk to each other, they didn't communicate properly, or they just had – different philosophies that never mesh together. But uh, I don't think that necessarily, you know, how people, you know, you always hear people, oh, they put those all together and it's greater than the sum of its parts. Well, this coaching staff was less than the sum of, sum of its parts. You know what I mean? It, it, each one of these guys, I think Greg Austin, for example, is probably a good offensive line coach. And I think Matt Slauson, if I remember, mentioned that he went to one of the practices and said Greta Austin was teaching all the stuff he should have been teaching. So, you know, maybe the, the problems that they really had last season were because Greg Austin and 
Lubick and, you know, whoever else just, they didn't get the, together. They didn't get along. They didn't mesh. And you know how, what happens in an organization when that happens. Well, you know, and John, that, here's something that I just realized as soon as you say that three of those guys came with frost and were part of the, the team from UCF, you know, the, the odd man out was Lubick and Lubick had authority. And I'm, you know, I'm not casting stones or trying to, you know, say it's this guy's fault, but, Lubick had nothing in common with those other three guys. He'd coached with Frost and Oregon. So, yeah, you know, you may be absolutely right that their philosophies and, you know, we, how many times did we hear during the volleyball season, you know, probably the strongest trait of this last year's volleyball team is the chemistry. Chemistry has to exist on a coaching staff too. You have to be on the same page. You know, you have to be all pulling the rope in the same direction. Um, any, anybody out there can relate to that if they stop thinking about it as football and start thinking about it as the places they work. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're places, even homes, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. Gotta, everybody's got to be on the same. So there's, there's still, you know, and, and, you know, just kind of sticking on the football topic here, but I want to bring it up at this point, you know, they still don't have a running back coach. Um, we're hearing rumors about a couple of different, you know, a Knox guy from Florida and somebody else, maybe from West Virginia, um, you know, still got Ron Brown has got to be in the picture. Um, and then, you know, you got Bill Bush as a potential special teams coach and then picking up one of the position groups, you know, on defense. Um, you know, for me, if, if, if it's, if you got Bill, if Bill Bush is going to be one of those guys, why don't you, you know, you're right. Just get it way, fucking done. Yeah, yeah. Get it done. Get it done. Um, so anyway, but that is a kind of a concern I have is that this is like, oh yeah, we'll get to it. Oh, good. Maybe you'll get to some wins some fucking day too. Huh, Scott, maybe you'll do that. <laughs> uh, speaking of Bill Bush, you know, I, I brought him up kind of initially there, but, uh, his old boss, well, coach O had some real positive things to say about him in a, a recent interview, um, you know, just uh, among the things, and, and I, I don't remember everything verbatim, but I believe one of the quotes was that they, meaning LSU, would have never got Joe Burrow without Bill Bush. I, I had heard that back at the time they recruited him, how yeah. important Bill Bush was. Yeah. And he's there, obviously and, got know, a working, working relationship with Mickey Joseph, which is important. You know what else I came up with sitting in that RV for all them times, all them hours and all them by myself with gunfire going off in the distance every night? <laughs> I thought, why in the hell didn't Trev Alberts fire Scott Frost? I mean, why didn't he? He's a fourth-year coach. He went three and fucking nine. He might have lost every game by one single score, but he still went three and nine. <laughs> I mean, it is fourth year. So – there's two conclusions that I came up with. And uh, number one is uh, there, you know, Trev Albert saved the program a lot of money by restructuring his contract. And, and maybe the program, I mean, we saw this article, I think coming out in the Omaha world Herald in the last couple of weeks about how the program is missing $20 million or $30 million because of COVID not being able to put butts in the seats during 2020. 
So, you know, maybe it was judicious on par, on the part of Trev Alberts to keep Scott around, restructure his contact and save the buyout money and that kind of stuff. But the second reason I came up with is that uh, I think Trev Alberts just arrived and, and so probably looked at all this and said, uh, holy shit, Scott, Al- or Tre- Scott Frost has a lot more uh, political backing than I thought he did. Because when I go out and look at Facebook groups and, and social media and, and bulletin board sites and stuff like that, you know, people tend to cluster around stuff, right? They like this site will be like, ah, we love Scott Frost. And this other site will be like, ah, fuck that guy. And um, <clears throat> that's, that's the other thing that I really came up with is, uh, you know, maybe Trav Alberts just discovered that there were boosters in place or there were people in place or really just were not going to let him fire Scott Frost or something. There you Do go. You, I just yeah. I just sprung that one on you without any anything ahead of time. I I I don't disagree <laughs> with you on the, the financial reasons. I mean, to me, that's the only thing that made sense. Um and I'm not going to argue with you that maybe Scott Frost has more political support than than what you believe or what I believe or anybody believes. But I find that hard to believe. I mean, I just, you know. Tom Osborne still carries a lot of weight. And what set that thought off is you say, and Ed Orderin said those nice things about Bill Bush. Do you think if you went to Tom Osborne and said, what do you think of Scott Frost that Tom Osborne would say one single negative fucking thing about Scott Frost? Anything. I would find it hard to believe if he would. I, right. I, I wonder. And, and that's, that's the problem is that people still look at Tom Osborne and they go, oh, well, he's saying the truth. No, he's just, it's like he's not going to say anything negative ever. Come on. That's not even hard to have that in your head. A couple of questions. First one about uh, Coach Osborne. Do you ever think he gets tired of, and I know he's, you know, upright and on on his legs, but I'll I'll use the term and I'll use it because it just, because it has the negative connotation. But do you ever think he gets tired of like kind of being wheeled out, uh, you know, just for, uh, you know, the, the round of applause and things like that. I mean, by that, I mean, do you ever think that he's just like, you know, I retired 20 something years ago. Let, just let me, just let me enjoy my retirement. You know, Greg, you don't, you do not see him nearly as much now okay. as you did, That's you know, true. even three, four years ago, you, you just That's don't. True. And so uh, that, that, that is, that's my first part of the question. And then the second one is, when you go back four years ago to that opening press conference that, you know, uh, Bill Moose had introducing Scott Frost as a new head coach. And then you had like the welcoming party, you know, with all the former players and teammates and things like that of his and like, he's the guy, he's going to be the guy. There certainly, we all thought it. I mean, if Haas were here with us right now, he'd say that, you know, we, we were planning on being in, I believe it was New Orleans, uh, for the national championship game this coming week for Nebraska. Like, we're, he's going to take us back, right? Look what he did to uh, Central Florida. Obviously, that didn't happen. But the good news is I saved a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But we all had such high – I say all generalization. I'm sure there are some people who – 
either don't drink as much Kool-Aid as I drink, or maybe they had more knowledge of what was going on inside the program. But by and large, most people thought that Scott Frost is the guy. And Todd, we already know that you've changed your mind. Uh, You have uh, since then uh, pulled John over to your side of thinking uh, <laughs> that that is not true. That is not true. I was the first person. If I, if, if yeah. people want to consider me a media person and that's subjective, I'm sure the other Nebraska media people don't really consider me media, uh, technically from the athletic department. I am, I was the first person out there that publicly said this fucker needs to be fired. Yeah. And I, I just, just to set the record straight, it pissed people off a lot. <laughs> I got all those emails yeah. and phone I, calls and, Letters from all over the universe telling me what a bastard I was. I was not. I was at, from the get go. I was not a Scott Frost. Uh, I was not in the Scott Frost camp. I, I, I think if you, you are look, a commie bastard, <laughs> I think if you look back and say and at some of the things I made a lot of references to the Golden Boy and um I was absolutely not convinced that Scott Frost was going to be the right person for the job. Um, I, I thought there were some pros. I thought there were some positives with Scott Frost. But from my perspective, back when they, you know, hired him, I thought that there were a couple of other candidates that would have been a better choice for Nebraska. I completely understood why. I, you know, it, it was he made sense, but I was not. I was not convinced that he was going to walk in here and have Nebraska in the national championship game in three to four years. I just, I didn't see it. Well, Todd, you some bitch, how's it feel to be right? Well, I'm not trying to say that I'm right. I'm just, what well, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. And, Do you, and I, I think it's, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it gets back to my original question is when you had that room full of, you know, Husker alum, yeah. Right. Uh, and they're all, you know, they're a, they're excited. You know, yeah. Scott Frost is a friend for many of them and uh, past teammate and fellow champion. Uh, you know, they, they had all the optimism in the world because look at what he just did at a team with a quarter of the resources, you know, that type of thing. Um, maybe not in the recruiting you know, 500 mile radius or whatever, but there were, I wonder if looking back four years later, if any of those guys would be like, well, you know, first of all, Greg, at that point in time, that kind of swayed me to think, well, maybe he will be able to get it done. You know, if all these guys have the faith in him, you know, maybe he will be able to get it done. Are some of those guys shaking their heads and saying, oh, my gosh, I had it wrong? I'm sure that there's some of them are. I mean, you know, there have been there are some former players that, you know, publicly, you know, on social media and stuff have have um, made some negative comments, you know, about his performance as a head coach. But, you know, let's look at something. The defensive side of our, our team is fine. You know what I mean? They, they performed well. Their players returned last year. They got those guys back that were super seniors, and those are the guys that kept us within one score of all the games, whatever. You know what I mean? The defensive side of this team functions well. 
And what that kind of indicates to me is that Eric Janander is in charge of the defense. And, and nobody fucks with him. In other words, Scott Frost doesn't come over and say, uh, I don't want that guy starting a defensive tackle. I want this guy. He lets Eric Chenander do what he wants there. On the offensive ball, what we saw was an offense that, you know, played fairly well, actually, in terms of, of overall offense. They played pretty well until they got to the red zone. If you went back and you said one thing, you could point to the cost us games, cost us a season, it was red zone performance. That was it. You can blame special teams all you want, but really it was the inability to score in the red zone. So why was the offensive side of the ball so dysfunctional compared to the defense? Is it because Scott Frost was intricately involved? <laughs> okay, whatever. It always involved in the offensive side of the ball. I mean, was it Scott Frost's influence on the offense? Was it that they dysfunctioned as that, that part of the staff and I guess where I'm going with this is <clears throat> if they bring in Mark Whipple and Raiola and whoever the, you know, Greg Knox, I don't know who they, Knox is it? Yeah, Florida running back, whoever, do they bring in all these offensive guys? And let's say they get along fine. I, I, if Scott Frost can leave them alone, maybe they'll be a good offense and we'll have a good team. Does anybody see that as a possibility? I, I, yeah, so I, I feel like it's going to be very difficult to compare this year's team to last year's team. Uh, even if, you know, with, with the new uh, personnel at at the coaching uh, staff, be it, you know, coordinator, uh, you know, line, et cetera, because it, we'll never know, you know, if, if Scott Frost is as hands-on, or as hands off as he was last year with you know the the predecessors, uh, and and if they are more successful and he's just as hands on, well then it's got to be the quarterback, right? If they are less successful and he's just as hands on, it's also got to be the quarterback. I mean, there's no, I there I don't think we're because there's so many new additions, there's we're, we're never going to have an apples to apples comparison. Now, to your point, John, if overall schematically and uh, prepared uh, because he's not so much a figurehead uh, because I, you know, he's still the head coach, but if he is letting the coaches do their jobs and that's why, uh, it was talked about, I think, initially, Mickey Joseph might be like a uh, co-offensive coordinator. You know, like there was the, the talk of bringing two offensive coordinators. I'm like, great, now we'll have three offensive coordinators because Scott Frost is always going to be hands-on, you know, and and that's too many cooks in the kitchen. So if he can maybe just do more general things, you know, and, and like this is what we want to do, Let's implement that rather than micromanage. I think micromanaging is, is, and I'm not in the room, nobody on this show is, but I think micromanaging is where uh, Scott has gotten himself, you know, I don't want to say in trouble, but, you know, it has caused some uh, issues. That's not even the word I was, I, I was just. Maybe he could just uh, like show up on game day and rent them out of the fuckers, run everything. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what oh, I'm saying. I'm okay with it. I think I'm okay with him doing it. You know, that. let me, here's something that I, I, you know, I observed and I, I made a few comments about it watching Ohio State play uh, in the Rose Bowl. And, 
you can draw the same parallel with Oklahoma when they played Texas. Both of those teams with freshman quarterbacks, true freshman quarterbacks, were able to come from behind, drive the length of the field, and win. And it didn't look like a flipping Chinese fire drill. Yeah. How many? Whoa, times? You're not allowed. To, you're only allowed to call it a fire drill now, sir. Okay. <laughs> it didn't look like a little fire drill. So my point is, how many final possessions, final two possessions, have we seen in the last few years? Three and out. Oh yeah, they've or, been terrible. Or fourth down and 10. It's, there is something to be said about leadership. And I think Whipple, with his experience, I hope he can bring that. There's something about poise and calm that is up in the press box and is communicated down to the field. And we haven't seen that. And so I guess you know, to kind of allude to what you guys are saying. I think that there could be a world of difference with the additions that they've made on that coaching staff. When they hired Scott Frost to be the head coach, before he named all of his assistants from Central Florida, I said, I hope he brings in a grizzled old veteran as a defensive coordinator and a grizzled old veteran as an offensive line coach. Bring in those guys that have seen the wars and seen the battles so that you have that kind of demeanor on the coaching staff. That hasn't been there. I definitely agree with the, uh, the philosophy of, of bringing in, and I'm not, when all you're doing is, is, you know, bringing, you know, bringing around your contemporaries, you don't have an opportunity to learn. And I feel like that's what Scott has done for, the majority of his time at Nebraska. So bringing in a Mark Whipple who is, you know, older and has been around, you know, he's been a, he was a coordinator and, and I mean, you got to go back to, well, I mean, he's been coaching longer than, you know, significantly longer than Scott. So I, that's, that's a bonus, you know, you're going to get a different perspective that's going to in, in the uh, long run be beneficial, I think. Um, and it didn't necessarily have to be Whipple. It could have been anybody, just somebody with some GD experience, you know? I think Mark Whipple has been coaching longer than you've been alive, doesn't he, Greg? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll verify. Please hold. <laughs> Does that make he's him grizzled? I just want to know. If- he's older than me. <laughs> wow. I don't even know how old I am anymore. Well, is, uh, does that make him grizzled? Does All right, so uh, let, let's let's see here. Mark Whipple began his coaching career as an assistant at St. Lawrence in 1980. Uh, from there, he, you know, I mean, he in various varieties. I mean, his big break, I think everybody will agree, was when he went from UMass in 2003 to the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2004. But then it's, you know, uh, 
Steelers, Eagles, Miami, the Browns, back to UMass. He was in Pittsburgh again, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, and then, you know, now Nebraska. So um, I thought his big, you're not even 40 yet, are commercials. you? The Charmin commercials. You're thinking of a different Whipple, you jackass. Uh, no, he's, I'll be 40 in July. So technically, yes, he's been coaching longer than I've been alive. And also, you're still a hell of a lot older than me, John. So let's not talk about my youth when we could talk about your old age. Wow. Holy shit. I, I, I can't go on as it is that my body is on fire. Well, that, that, you forget. And that's not a knock. I'm not, you know, making fun. But when it was you, me, and Hoss, we would frequently ask you about like things like the hundred years war and uh you know what it was like being an original apostle of jesus christ and things like that so it you know it it's just if i, I do don't remember that <laughs> see how he's grown his hair back so it looks similar to what it was back then i <laughs> see we're preparing for the end of times uh no good times only good times so um i here's what i don't want to do and i think it's unavoidable i don't want to talk about Scott Frost and is he a good coach? Is he a bad coach every week from now until August? <laughs> Cause we've done it every week since this past August. And now. <laughs> so we need to, we need to Mark look. Whipple. Is he a good coach or is he a bad coach? <laughs> You're an asshole. Donovan. Good coach? <laughs> I want it to be more cut and dry. Like John cook. Good coach, bad coach. <laughs> Amy Williams, good coach, bad coach. Did they? What the hell is the deal with them anyway? Did you watch them play? I finally watched a Nebraska women's basketball game from start yeah. to finish last night. Oh, holy smokes! They were that was a good one to watch. watch. That yeah, was a good were. one to watch when they uh, beat the crap out of uh, Michigan. Yeah, number eight ranked. I was gonna say yeah, top ten team, and they beat them by twenty two. Or they, I thought it was interesting. Sorry. I, I keep interrupting you. I am terrible at that, aren't I? It's all right. It, it, I forgive you. Wait well, till I, he taps you on the knee, John, then you can talk. That's kind of creepy. Oh, tap him on the knee. I'll flick him in the nuts. <laughs> well, okay. Michigan start was making runs there and it looked like they were going to get back in the game. And then with like, I don't know, six, seven minutes left, Nebraska just started beating the shit out of them. Well, and, and Nebraska also played without their starting post play. I mean, I know the Markowski girl is really good and has played really well coming off the bench, but you know, um, was it Bella Cravens? I, I, uh, I, I don't I know the so, yeah. team that well, but um they were, and you know, I listened to quite a bit of the game against Michigan State, and it sounded to me that the the young players just didn't have a clue how physical Big Ten basketball was going to be. They walked into Michigan State against a very physical team, and uh, you know, got beaten that first game. But holy moly, they were they played well last night. They were they were really fun to watch. I watched Michigan State. I think that uh, you're right about that, but also. Uh, Michigan State had that girl was the name Crowley or something like that that just they the refs would not call a fifth foul against her she could have lopped somebody's fucking arm off and they weren't going to call that but I I 
When you look at college basketball, okay, I know the statistics on the men's side. I don't know what they are at the women's side. Do you know what the home percentage winning at, at Michigan State is? Maybe I brought this up before. For men's basketball, how many, what percentage of their home games do they win? It's some like 88%, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's way up there. And even the worst team in the Big Ten, who is Northwestern in terms of home percentage, is still like 56 or 58%. So it's really hard to win basketball games on the road. Yeah. And, you know, especially in the Big Ten. So unless you're a road game or a, a, a team playing at Nebraska, then we will roll out the red carpet for you and make sure that you paid the officials more than we did. <laughs> I think, you know, okay, men's basketball, I think they their last two games, the Ohio State game was a real shame that Lapman couldn't make his free throws late, and they'd probably have won that game, and that sucks. They have played better in the last two games, and I think a lot of that has to do with Hoiberg basically uh, telling these guys, you know, if you do something really dumb, you're out. And you've seen him do that, you know, even tonight against um, – Fuck, they just Michigan. Come on. Yeah, Michigan State. Yeah, at Michigan State. And, you know, I mean, Bryce took a couple of really shitty shots and it was like yank. And then he'd come back in, you know. So I don't, you know, they just got to grow. They just got to get better. Yeah. Well, uh, you can hear all about Nebraska men's basketball on our dedicated Nebraska ball podcast (laughs) titled Of Bangerangs and Daggers coming back to a coordination radio someday in the future. (laughs) No, I've talked to those guys and the general consensus is that, well, it's difficult to get three guys together to record a show. And then I look at what we're doing right now. And it's like, "Mm, is that though? You know what? I think right now, I think it's really hard to, it's really hard to pay attention to Nebraska basketball because you know that they're, they're struggling. They're, traditionally we don't have the fan we don't we're not a good basketball program we weren't a good football team this past year yeah but the the whole state's ego is nebraska football okay if nebraska if nebraska what are we supposed to are are we propping up the state's ego with toothpicks at this point after that three and nine year yes like but we're still out there doing it how are you get, how are you going to grow the fan base and and I, look I get it I, I, I say this jokingly uh, about our our uh, our good guys over at B and D but how are you going to grow the fan base if you if you're not talking about the product you know uh, people got to know you know I don't know uh, I don't have the opportunity to watch the games as much as I would like so when there's a banger rings uh, and daggers podcast I like to listen to it and get caught up. Well, I'll say, I'll say this about men's basketball. <laughs> Derek Walker has performed way beyond ever I ever thought he could. He's, he's become a really decent Big Ten big man. And I think tonight they said his uh, field goal percentage is like 78%. Uh, Career high scoring, too, I think I heard as well. Yeah, I, he is playing lights out for, for being the big guy that they have that's actually performing. Andre played, I think – better tonight at Michigan state than he has a well uh, verge drives me completely insane. Uh, Bryce McGowan's is kind of like this, but he smoothly, you know, he just, he scores. Uh, I, you know, they just need to get better. They need more time together. They need to figure out what they're doing in big 10, you know, 
They're well, let's talk about after, it. They're 0 and 4 after tonight. They lost to Michigan State by what, like 18, 14, something like that. I mean, they played them pretty tough for most of the game, and then they just ran out of gas at the end. And that's 12. what you do against Michigan State. They lost by 12. Lost by 12. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they played decently. They just, you know. It's also Michigan State, which is kind of one of those legacy programs anymore in, yep. in uh, men's basketball. I, again, this would be a great question for a Nebraska ball talking head, but how many of the, the guys on this team are, it, would this be their final year, their seniors? Who's a senior? It, yeah. Do we have any seniors? That's my point. So <laughs> theoretically, I don't, you know, I, I know there was talk about, uh, I think maybe Trey McGowan's right of, of being that one and done type of, of caliber athlete, but he's also been hurt. Bryce. Bryce. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, but so, uh, but Trey's the one who's been hurt. Bryce yeah. is the one who, you know, is, uh, as you said, up and down a little bit here and there, definitely not, uh, the type of year you think you'd leave and go, go pro on, uh, you know, if we do it for football all the time, we, we, we do these, what ifs. So what if this core group of guys comes back next year? That'd be nice. You know, yeah. And, Kobe and Webster, got, Kobe Webster's a senior. Okay. And he was a transfer from Wisconsin? Western, Western Illinois? Illinois? I did someplace else. Yeah, one was of Was it Western places. Illinois? I, might, I think that sounds right. I, I, I get him. It, again, it, if only there was a easily digestible podcast to listen to that would fill me in on everything Nebraska. <laughs> God. Well, I got a, I got another little piece of news, John, maybe since you've been in the hinterland, maybe you were, or were not aware. Um, one of the first uh, baseball uh, rankings has come out and Nebraska is ranked 30th in uh, 31st, excuse me. Uh, one slot behind Michigan. So they're starting, they're going to get a little bit of attention. Yeah. I, I know. What, the, what the fuck? Uh, Why? Yeah. yeah. Do these people even look at college baseball? Well, considering the fact that starting pitching for the most part is gone, <laughs> that's one of the one of the first things they tend to look at. Well, okay, coming back. whatever. <laughs> but well, we're not too far away from baseball season. Now they ought to be practicing pretty soon. Yeah, we have high hopes for that. There is hope for that. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely not going to jump in front of a bus to avoid that, <laughs> or lay down in front of a bus or whatever. No. It is. Yeah, February eighteenth is their first game. So, good golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> have some fun. <laughs> right, uh, so I completely anecdotally, and I'll mention it uh, just because. Uh, we love Miss Brian. I was uh, I, last week. I took my son bowling for the first time, and it happens to be the home lanes of the McKendry, yeah, McKendry College, McKendry University uh, Bearcats, who have a few national championships uh, to their name, and some of them have come uh, at, at the uh, expense of the Husker women's bowling team. So. Uh, he bowled all right, and so did I. We had some fun with it. And uh, there's your bowling update because Brian would want right. us to. How old is your son? He turned six right before Christmas. You can go bowling with a six year old. 
Yeah. And it was really cool because I thought, you know, I thought I was going to have to get two lanes, you know, one with the bumpers and one without. But uh, I said, how do I get bumpers on the lane? And uh, the lady said, well, after you put in his name, push the little arrow over like the right arrow on the keyboard and it pops up another menu and you can add bumpers and things like that. So when it was his turn to bolt, the bumpers popped up and it was my turn to bowl. They went back down. So, wow, uh, it's bowling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's high tech. It is high tech. Well, did he did he make it okay? I mean, after you made him drink for getting all losing all the frames, and- <laughs> he can't. This was two days, yeah, two days after Christmas, and they had like one of those claw game machines uh, ten feet behind us, and so he kept trying to go over there and looking. And he said, dad, I want to get, let's do this. I want that. I said, you just had Christmas and your birthday was right before that. It looks like the target toy department threw up in our house. You don't need something from the the cheap claw machine game. I said, but tell you what, if you want something from that, you have to give back one of the toys you just got. And he he said, no, that's okay. (laughs) That's a good. Hey, hey, (laughs) hey, are we going to end soon? Yeah. Because Ty looked like his screen was frozen and that he he's given up. <laughs> I, I have a question. Did you guys get any toys for Christmas? I got the best Christmas gift ever. A lazy a boy rocker recliner. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> and you're gonna be on the you're gonna be on those progressive commercials next, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just, I, I, I was, I was so happy, like, uh, due to, due to circumstances, like my wife was going to go get it and pick it up and bring it home. Um, but I ended up going, I was, I was like, I could have carried that thing home on my back from the store. I was so happy to get it. I haven't sat on the, on the couch in two and a half weeks. It's been glorious. Did you get anything, Todd? Um, I got beer from my nephew. I got beer from my son-in-law. I got beer from my mother-in-law. <laughs> um, and I guess I got beer from my daughter too. So um, <laughs> that's a whole 24 pack. I've got, well, had a case in there, had a couple 12s. Um, I've got plenty. It will last me. I, I, I have, uh, it's been my goal to reduce consumption and I'm, I'm, I'm doing quite well with that. Um, tonight I, I am drinking a little bit of Nebraska brewed blueberry bomb from bottle rocket brewery in Seward, Nebraska. Nephew huh, gave interesting. Me that. Um, that looks good. Yeah, not bad, but, um, yeah, I, I I didn't get any toys. I, I got a couple books. Um, reading Peril right now by uh, Woodward and Costa. So, is that a political Don, did you book? Get a toy? Did is you get that a, a political boy? Yeah. I don't know why anybody reads those things. Anyway, no. yes, no, I, you know I know what? I know what I, you got, John. I know what you what? got. What you got that magic little tablet to choose. And in 15 minutes, gives you your lady and the smiles. It's the blue chew. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I didn't know they had a jingle. (laughs) I made it up. Couldn't you tell? (laughs) Wow. You should write them. 
Well, I'll tell you a story about what happened to me down in Texas for Christmas. Did you get to bring home your brother's camper? No. I'm sorry. They, recreational they, vehicle. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck is wrong with you? That's a lifestyle, Greg. But uh, his company had a, a Christmas party and we went to a virtual reality center. And is that cool? It, it was cool. And I was kind of worried about it. I wanted to try this. Uh, since I've been dead, but I was worried that, you know, with the brain injury, that virtual reality would really give me uh, massive disorientation and headaches. And, and I thought, I, I want to try this just to see if I can do it. And I, it was on a Friday and I thought if it really screws me up, then I can just lay at his house for the weekend and recover. But we went in and we went into this, you know, he has all these, my brother's company is a wireless company. Okay. And it's not like wireless cell phones, but they put up a lot of towers. So, what that means is they have these guys that are climbing 250 and 500 foot towers, right? They're adrenaline junkies. They're young. They're in their twenties. They're fit because you better be fit if you're climbing up a 500 foot tower. I can tell you that. Um, but we went in and we put on these backpack type things and then we put on a headset and a set of headphones and we had like a gun and you, you really didn't move a lot. But you walked around in this thing, you know, not, not it was an empty room. And then virtually it filled up with this uh, course and you had to shoot each other and try to get to these canisters and all this stuff. And it was a massive amount of fun. I, we didn't my team didn't do very well because uh, we sucked. And uh, but we did this for 15 to 20 minutes. And when we were done, uh, I was exhausted. And I mean, I was soaked. I was covered in sweat. And the thing I noticed is that it wasn't because I was old and, and feeble. The climber guys were exhausted and they were all sweaty too. And I thought, what in the hell is with, why did, would this cause so much uh, exertion? And I, I kind of have a theory on it or I know why. Um, well, fuck, we don't have, we, I'll tell you, vestibular testing has to do with your balance, Okay. You guys are already turning out. I can tell by the looks on your faces. Like Jesus Christ, finish this fucking up. Okay, balance. This, balance. I had to, I, I'm, I had I'm to, on board. I because of the brain injury part of my life, I had to have vestibular testing. Okay, what they do is they put you in a harness so you can't fall and hurt yourself, and then they remove all your visual cues and make you stand on a platform that's constantly moving. And you have to keep yourself upright, and then they measure, you know, your brain, your responses, your inner ear stuff with your testing. And I thought maybe that's what these virtual reality headsets do: is you've removed all of the external, uh, you know, cognition that you can tell what you're doing, and your body is constantly flexing muscles uh, to keep you upright. So for Christmas, after that, one of the guys, one of the climbers, talked about how he had a Quest Two headset that he and his son play with. And I thought, well, $299 shit. I bought two of them and shipped them home. And my brother bought two of them and shipped them to his house. So that was the, the big toy thing for Christmas was everybody tried the virtual reality headsets. And, uh, and it, it's there. The quest two is owned by Facebook that calls themselves meta. And, and the moment that Ma um, Apple or Sony comes out with a better product in this area, uh, I'll be throwing these things away because I want nothing to do with fucking Facebook. But um, it's really interesting. There, I bought a game called Supernatural that is a fitness workout game, and uh, it is a fitness workout. You know, the ones they show in the commercial, 
is the saber game. You can do that with your wrist, but the supernatural thing, and you're moving all over the boxing and stuff, and it's it's quite a workout. And then uh, you can virtual reality wise play uh, The Walking Dead, and you can stream it on a phone. So I watched my daughter's boyfriend go into the beginning of it and and kill a guy, and then sit there and hold his head and move it around for a while and slap him repeatedly. And we're like yelling at him. What the fuck is wrong with you? It was kind of goofy. That's cool, John. No, that's uh, so I've never done the virtual reality uh, anything. So uh, that hearing your experience kind of really gets me more interested in that. So yeah. uh, I, I thank you very much for sharing. doesn't be bowl. my, oh, oh, oh not. <laughs> can I sit in a rocker recliner? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if, there, if there's a way that I can sit in my uh, my recliner and bowl, there are stationary games. I mean, I feel like that would take some of the fun out of it. Probably. I think um, you got to be moving the way it looks to me. Yeah. John, no, there you are ever... there, you, there are things that you can just sit there on your ass and. That's good because that's what I'm best at. John, have you ever seen the movie Ready Player One? I read the book. I never saw the movie. Okay. Uh, I have the book. I've never read it because that's you saw what the movie. I do. I, I saw the movie. I collect books uh, and I'll read them someday when I retire 30 years from now. Um, but I, if you've, did you enjoy the book, John? Yes, I did. I thought it was, it was, I, I was amazed at the guy who wrote the book and you should read it. I was amazed at the number of video games that he knew intimately enough to write about them to the level that he could. That is the most amazing thing about that book is that, um, I mean, it's, it's shit tons of video games in that book. You know, a lot of mine never played, but, you know, talking about this parts of this and doing this in the video games and maneuvering about this and figuring out the puzzles and stuff. And so, yeah, it's amazing. Well, if you want a much quicker experience, I recommend the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see the movie. I, you know, <laughs> it's a, it's an enjoyable picture. That's about all. I'll leave it at that. So, well, we have uh, touched on a little bit of everything. Wait, hold on. I'd be remiss. Todd, do you have any wrestling news for me today? Um, not really. Okay, um, good. Nebraska- That's all for. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nebraska does wrestle at home Friday night. I'm planning to go down and watch. They take on Purdue, opening the Big Ten, uh, their Big Ten season. Um, should should be a should be a duel that Nebraska wins. But there'll be some there'll be some you're, good matchups. Uh, you're going? Yeah, I'm going to go. Dylan yeah. will be there. Dylan's going to be there. Okay, I'll try to hook up with him. Um, the other bit of wrestling news that I will uh, share with you, Greg, is um, you uh, actually bowled on the campus of the number one ranked women's college wrestling team in the country, McKendry. Oh, there but you that, and, and I don't say this to minimize their accomplishments, but there's only like three women's wrestling programs on the country. Oh, right? no, 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 no. Oh. Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> it is growing leaps and bounds. Well, no, that's good. But it was, that just- was last month, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should get down and watch them, watch them compete. There's some tough girls. There's a, they got, they got a little girl by the name of Felicity Taylor that uh, 
wrestled about 20 miles north of where I was, where I was a principal. She's tough. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I've got a tough girl. She's upstairs sleeping. That's the only one I, I, I'm it's not. It's the only one you care about. <laughs> and it's, it's the only one I want to watch wrestle if you catch my draft. So <laughs> on that note, uh, I think that'll do it. Uh, and there's no better way. I don't think to sum up, uh, uh, or, or to, to put a bow on this first episode of the new year. We appreciate everybody. We hope that you were able to stay safe and healthy uh, throughout the holiday season and, and that, that all that, all of that is sustained through the new year. So thank you for uh, taking us with you at home at work or in the car, wherever it is you listen to the five heart podcast, which is the preeminent podcast from coordination.com. Uh, so thank you very much for, uh, as always, Todd, as always, John, our founder and fearless leader. I'm Greg Mahachka. We remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go big red. As I'm going to kill, I'm gonna go kill Nazi zombies now. <laughs> I think I'm going to go watch Ready Player One. Okay. I'm going to read Peril. Oh, God. Boo.